because I'm excited to hear what's on your heart. I know that uh, I, didn't, I didn't rope you in to any topic, liberty, but I always, I always get nuggets of revelation. So uh, I appreciate Bishop Fred Denham. Do, you, Denham. do you appreciate him too? He's becoming my golf buddy. So come on up, Bishop, and uh, share with us today. We're excited to hear what the Lord's laid on your heart. Hallelujah. Boy, this is a big pulpit. I'm telling you. I'll bring all my study Bibles and put them on this thing. Is, is it brand new? We claim an abundant life claims. It. <laughs> Hallelujah. For whatever reason, I've been extremely anxious for today's time together. And uh, I couldn't quite put it into perspective except for this. I used to say when I pastored, I'm a little teapot, short and stout. And the Lord would just tip me over and pour me out. Now I'm a little teapot old and stout. But I believe he can still pour me out. I'm so full of this message, I don't even know where to begin, front, middle, or end. But, uh, but I do hope, and I'll, we're going to pray to this end, that we receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I'm praying right now, as a matter of fact. The eyes of our understanding being opened that we may know. And then Philippians, that's, that's Ephesians 1, Philippians 3. The excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus our Lord. And be found in him not having our own righteousness which is from the law, but the righteousness through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith that we may know him and the power of his resurrection the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable to his death and we usually stop there but it goes on to say that we may be counted worthy to receive worthy of the resurrection from the dead now the knowledge of the Lord Jesus is the key and let, let me just say to you this, this morning that when we speak of the city church, we're talking about the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. The city church is his idea. I will build my church. Remember that? I will build my church. And, and, and believe it or not, he doesn't need any help. He's not looking for little helpers to build his church. He's looking for people submitted to his authority. And who believe what he says and will do what he says. Amen. See, that's, that's the key. Obedience is the key. Not because we feel that it's right, but because we know that it's right. We know that it's his word. And so I want to repeat one or two things this morning that I know that I did this past time. Hebrews chapter 10. Look there once again. Because revelation knowledge comes by repetition. I know that is the truth. That's why I keep reading the Bible. I tell people I keep reading the Bible over and over again. Because I don't want any surprises. And what I know about the Lord is he, he gives you in revelation here a little and there a little. And I know this about revelation. It can not only come but you can also slip away. You had any of that happen to you? And so we need the Lord to bring back to our remembrance things that he's taught us. But Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 said, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more, 
as you see the day approaching. This is very important to repeat because I, invariably I know people miss it. I read the Bible for years and missed it over and over and over again. The word, the Greek word for the assembling of ourselves together found one other place. That Greek word's found one other place in the scriptures. Look at 2 Thessalonians. Do you mind refreshing, re repeating? Do you mind that? That's the reason we go to school five days a week as little children. You know what I'm saying? But we're so adults now. We can so absorb this thing. We only have to come one hour a week to church. We get it now good. Yeah. I think I've let more slip away than I've have ever gotten. Anybody say amen to that? Chapter 2, you there? Now listen, I'm going to just take a little time with this. Now brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen. And our gathering together to Him. Now... The word there, our gathering together, I don't know if it's in the King James like that, but then the New King James is translated that way. Do you see that? Is it translated that way, Pastor Kevin? Our gathering together? Same Greek word there that's back in Hebrews chapter 10. Now, do, you, do we understand this is what's good for repeating? How many of us will be at the gathering of the Lord when the coming of the Lord? That's not a trick question. All of us. Nobody will be missing. That's the implication of that word, the gathering together. So back over in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, that's all of us. And so the only way you can make that application of all of us, it would be all of us in the city. And the writer said, Paul the Apostle said, they've already forsaken that and, it, and, th and that command was already only just a few years old. And they were forsaking it already, the, the command to get together. And so what I believe that the Lord's been saying for the past 42 years of our ministry here in Charleston is let's get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You knew, you knew you heard that, didn't you? <laughs> we can have a mm-hmm time. I don't know what to Let's get together. What do you say? What, where did that come from? Parent trap. That's okay. So maybe that's good. The father trapping us. So I, 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 this is off the subject, but it's a good application. I believe that the Lord tricks us into marriage. The ladies are throwing rocks and the men are saying, I believe you may be right. He makes those girls look so good. They're just irresistible. And it doesn't take long before you know it was a trick. It was a trick. Now see, listen, listen, now someone's sitting there, some of you pious brethren, ah, oh, but brother, I'll tell you what, when I saw her, I dropped to my knees and said, oh God, do you see what I see? Woo. But the reality is the Lord, now I don't want to, maybe you don't like the word, he's using the word trick, but he tricks us into relationships. And then you know how it is in the beginning of relationships. Oh, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. Oh, you're so wonderful. Oh, my land, I hope this day will never end. And about a week or two later, that day was coming to, a, to its dawning. Or the, the dusk, I should say. And so, the Lord wants us to get together. The first publication we had 42 years ago simply said, Come together. And I've been saying that for 42 years. And the Lord's been teaching me out of His Word that here's the reality. And this is what breaks my heart as I say this. But I want you to know this emphatically. 
I'm going to read some scripture. God's conclusion to the earth age will not take place without this happening. I'm telling you that. Unless we begin to come together, the conclusion of the church age will not happen as we think it will happen. See, a lot of Christians are doing this, biding time and waiting for the upper taker, you know, be snatched away and escape. I believe it's an escape and a good escape. But a lot of stuff has got to happen between now and then. And I go on record today as telling you that God's looking for a glorious church, not a church that's just barely getting along. He's looking for a glorious church that's full of love and compassion for one another and loving one another. Not because we feel like it, because we were tricked into it, but because we have come to believe that that is the will of God for us to love one another. And I remind you again this morning of what Jesus said. And it took me years to understand this. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to admit this. But uh, the commandment of Jesus was not to love one another. This is review. Can anybody, I'm talking to a class now, can anybody tell me what the new commandment was? You get extra credit, Brad. That's the new commandment. And I remind you again this morning that Jesus in, the, in the, what we call the Last Supper or the, or the communion time of the Lord right before He went to the cross, He washed the feet of Judas and He knew who He was. He washed the feet of Peter, and he knew what he would do. He washed the feet of the other ten and knew that their exit would be real soon, and he would be left alone. But he washed their feet anyhow, and he said this to those disciples. He said, what I'm doing to you now, you don't know, but you will know. And then he said, I want you to love one another because the world's going to know this, this whole story, because you love one another as I have loved you. Without regard for who you are, but regard for the commandment of what you must do. And when I talk like this, a lot of people say we get, get all concerned that uh, we want about good doctrine and right doctrine and whatever. And I'm a total believer in good doctrine, right doctrine. I'm a total believer in the Word of God is, is the giver of the truth for us. I used to tell our folks when I led our table for 24 years, I'd say this, I believe the Word of God is the truth, don't you? Yeah. I believe the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, don't you? Yeah. I believe I'm looking for the truth, aren't you? Yeah. I believe if that's the case, then we're going to find the truth, don't you? <laughs> See, we want to find the truth according to my conclusions. We don't want to find the truth according to the truth, the spirit of truth. And I think that's where this whole story comes you never know who's sitting among you until it gets critical. You never know until the chips are down, as they say, and it's time to play your cards. You don't know who's going to be with you or who's not going to be with you. But I had to determine in my heart years ago, it makes no difference who's with me. As long as he's with me, I'm on his side and he's on my side. That's what matters. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free from the dominion of sin that separates you from one another because of your pettiness, your opinions. Some of us are more in love with our opinions than we are with our brothers and sisters. Most of us are. How do I know that? I still struggle with that. You'd think if somebody after all these years wouldn't struggle with that, but I still do. You know why? We talked about it on the golf course. Seven, Romans 7, 18. I know that within me, that is within my flesh, is no good thing. But to will, to will, and oh, I want to say a little bit about this. To will is present with me. 
but how to perform I do not find in my flesh. I was thinking about this the other days we've been talking about, you know, the grace of God is a gift. The faith of God is a gift, for by grace he is saved through faith. Salvation is a gift that not of yourselves. But I can tell you this from the scripture. You've got to understand that the gift also is the gift of your will. But God gave you that, that gift of your will and said you can keep it. Whether I ever get it or not, you can keep it. But it's up to you to exercise that faith that's a gift into that grace which is a gift, accessing God, everything God is and has, by an act of your will. Can somebody say amen? Gets real quiet, I start feeling real lonely up here. Somebody says, well, we're free moral agents. I don't even like to call us free moral agents. I just like to call, call us people that have been made in the likeness of the Lord and in His image and who have the will to choose. And the reason we have the will to choose is because He chose. If He hadn't chose you, Moran, you couldn't choose Him. That's what the Bible means by election. He's already chose. He's chose us all. It's not His will that any should perish. He chose every one of us. Now it's our turn to choose. That's relationship. And that all of that fits into the whole context of what we're talking about with God. Here's something I want to remind us of again this morning as well. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. As you turn to 1 John 5, chapter 5, verse 7, if you don't find it in your Bible, you may want to get another Bible. As much as I love the New American Standard Bible, I read it for a long time before I realized that, you know, it doesn't have 1 John 5, 7. I think I'll quit reading that one and go back to the New King James Bible. Somebody said, well, a, a scribe put that in there. And give me a break. Do you think that somebody that's genuine and sincere and earnest will put a lie from God or blame it on God? No. Don't, don't accept this junk about, well, those are not in the, this, that, the cotex and all of that and whatever. Of course, the, the, the new, these translations. This is in the book, and it says this. There are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are what? One. It doesn't say these three agree. It says these three are one. Now listen, Jesus, look at Acts chapter 1. Jesus said this, and I'm, this is some repetition. It's good, though. I, this is my Thanksgiving message, by the way. <laughs> Jesus said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. You know what it says? And we have read it for years, and we shall receive power to witness. But I'm telling you with all of my heart, I believe that the language can bear it out. He was talking about what we would be becoming, not what we would be doing. I can guarantee you this, if you become a witness, you will witness. Somebody said, I'm glad that we're human beings, not human doings. And in this context, it's very important. I, I gave you this last time we were together, but in, it also says in verse 14, Acts chapter 1, it said they were in one accord. And then in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, on the day of Pentecost, it said they were in one accord in one place. Two qualifications. They were in one accord in one place. The coming of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit did not make them in one accord. They were there by obedience because Jesus had said, Go tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued or clothed with power from on high. Talking about obedience, they were there. They had been there for some time praying, which is very important if we can get to that later. But, all, but the Bible said, Suddenly there came from heaven a rushing mighty wind. There set upon them cloven tongues or divided tongues. And I remember I gave you that last time we were together that I have concluded 
from the scriptures. Because I was asking that question of the Lord. Lord, what really changed on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out? Listen, I don't know what your doctrine, and Pastor Kevin can correct me privately, and then I'll, re I'll repent publicly. But <laughs> in the upper, in the room where they were hiding for fear of the Jews, when Jesus came into that room, just appeared in that room with all the doors locked, remember what he said. It says, the scripture says, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. I believe at that very moment they were born of God because He had been raised from the dead. It had been concluded they could be born of God. They were born of the Spirit in that upper room. But then He said, tarry for the clothing. And if you read through the whole book of Acts, over and over again, when it talks about the Holy Spirit coming, it says He came upon them. He was poured out upon them. And I said, Lord, what changed when, when, when that happened to us? And I gave you my conclusion from the scriptures this past time we were together. He divided us so that he could blend us and pour us out and make us taste good that the world would want to drink of what we are and would want to eat of what we are, what the, the table that we set. You talk about coming to the table of the Lord. You, you, there in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when he talked about coming to the table of the Lord, it said, Paul said, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. And then he goes over to the later in the, in the chapter, in the communion part we like to use, and he said, if you'll judge yourself, you'll not be judged with the world, but you'll be chastened of the Lord. And so I believe that the greatest problem the body of Christ has always faced is this divisiveness, division. And we have to make up our mind that we will not be a divider. Sixth thing God hates. You remember Proverbs chapter 6? And the seventh is what? The seventh, of course, I only get this word in there because we like to use this for homosexuals, but we don't use it for this. Abomination. What is the abomination is the seventh thing? He who sows discord among the brethren. You're talking about a need for repentance of falling down on our face and said, Oh God, forgive me, not only for what I, do, what I do, but the very intent and thought of my heart, forgive me for thinking evil toward my brother or sister. I want to get this right. I've come to learn to do this by spending my time in prayer. Lord, forgive me of my thoughts, my imaginations and my meditations, which I have pondered unnecessarily, which have not pleased you. Forgive me because I want to be clean. I want to be washed. Not only for the words I speak, the actions and the attitudes of my heart, but all these other things. I want to be washed. Because I want to be, I want to be able to stand here this morning and be used of God to speak to you. Because I understand that it's not information you've come for this morning. You've come for a revelation. You haven't come for just a, just a good message. You've come to be changed. You've come to be converted. Jesus said, except you be converted and become as little children, you'll not enter the kingdom of God. How many want to enter the kingdom? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We want that, but we have to be converted. I can say to you very clearly, we may call it progressive sanctification if you'd like. That'll, that'll work. But I can tell you that we are being, we, we were converted. We are being converted, and we will be converted. And when, when will come the time of entry? I don't know about you and I almost don't even know about me, but I'm still after it. Somebody says, well, boy, that sure would produce a lot of insecurity. Listen, I'm telling you, a lot of us who are secure need to have some insecurity. <laughs> and a lot of us who are insecure need a lot of security. Come on Thursday night and you'll get some security. I've enjoyed that, Pastor Sweetie. Now, the reason I call her Pastor Sweetie because I heard she doesn't like to be called Tracy, so um, I learned that in the class. <laughs> but I can tell you, it's working. And uh, I want to sit there and just be quiet. It's nice to, be, to listen and get corrected. It's nice to come to understand some of my psychological faults I have. 
Amen? And I'm telling you, these people are amazing. They just, just pop up and talk. I'm thinking to myself, I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and look holy. <laughs> Work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. You stay out of my business. No, I don't go that far to say that. As a preacher, sometimes it's good to be quiet. Amen. Now listen, what I want to deliver to you this morning, that's my introduction, is this. I, I alluded to it a while ago, and I'll say it again. Jesus is preparing his glorious church without spot or wrinkle that will be holy and without blemish. He's preparing us to be that glorious bride. If you go over to the book of Revelation, and he said, show us the bride. He wanted to see the bride. He said, I saw her coming down like that city was coming down. Isn't that interesting? The city, when he wanted to see the bride, the city came down and he described the city. And the city was full of the glory of God. I believe that's what God wants for us now. The witness that we talked about a while ago, the witness is the witness of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit being one. How can we witness to the oneness of God if we're not willing to be one ourselves? If we're always going to qualify it. You know, one of the greatest things that could happen in the body of Christ is for one brother or sister to meet another brother and sister and say this, I don't know what you believe, but it makes no difference to me as I stand here. I love you where you are and who you are. And I respect you because I believe you're after the truth. Now, somebody, you know, somebody says, well, that may not be true. Well, I believe that I can say it's the truth. I've even told Jehovah Witnesses that before, or Mormons, Roman Catholics that we've given a real hard time for years. To be able to say to them, I know that you're looking for the truth. And I believe you're going to find it. And you're my brother and you're my sister if you name the name of Christ. You've been born of God, born from above, born of the Spirit. Don't know if you've had the Holy Spirit poured out on you or not, but be that as it may. You can't alienate somebody from you and then expect to have sweet fellowship. I'm through with this. Well, brother, give me your statement of belief, your list of doctrines, and let's see if we can have fellowship. We just came to the place where we have fellowship. In the blood and in the body of the Lord Jesus. Have we, have we figured it out yet? I've figured this out about politicians, but I haven't figured it out about regular Christians. But I'll use politicians as an example. There are a lot of politicians who talk about being born again, but it becomes very clear to me that their politics are not born again. So why can't we receive one another in the same respect? If you confess you're born again, why should I, shouldn't I receive you as that? Let's sit down and let's talk about it. Amen? Okay, three or four of you really believe it. But here, look at Romans chapter 5. One thing about it, I'm having a good time, whether you are or not, I don't know. I can look at most of you and I know that you're having a good time. You're glad to be in the house of the Lord. You're glad to be where God's people meet. Listen to this. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And here's the conclusion of the matter. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God the glory that's coming down one day out of heaven is the city of God. We can have that glory in our own city if we're willing to pay the price for it, willing to give our lives to each other, willing to submit to one another in the fear of the Lord, and not with the purpose of just trying to straighten each other out. The Lord had delivered me from that and still delivered me from the straightening out spirit. <coughs> I've never found anybody I could argue with very long and have sweet fellowship later. It's the truth, isn't it? 
But if I can take them off guard and love their neck and love on them a little bit, we'll, we've got something from some place to go. Amen? In hope of the glory of God. That's what we're in hope of, folks. By grace, through faith, we have access into this hope of glory. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in us, the hope of glory. We're not having to wait to get to heaven. Heaven has already come to us. <coughs> I like what Bob Mumford said years ago. God's not trying to get us into heaven. He's trying to get heaven into us. And I believe when God finds a people and is able to find a people throughout our city who have that desire for the glory of God to get into us, we'll be on our way. And listen, I believe this today. And, and I want to make certain I say this because this is very important to say again as I stand here, Pastor Kevin. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, if I remember correctly, says that the foundation of the church is, is established on apostles and prophets. 1 Corinthians 28, or chapter 12, verse 28 says, first apostles, secondarily prophets. That's not a pecking order. That's a spiritual reality order. God puts his hands on men and women as in an apostolic ministry. He puts his hand on men and women in prophetic ministry. And he says to them, you must come together. You must seek to submit yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord because the church depends on it, on you. And I believe that's what, what we're hearing. I believe that's what we're hearing in hope of the glory of God. You see, because I believe that, and I hope Brother Kevin, Pastor Kevin feels this way too, I can put up with a bunch of stuff. But you know there's no stuff to put up with. He's too sweet. You know, he's just a sweetheart. If there's any fault, we haven't found it yet. But I bet if I keep looking long enough, I probably... <laughs> yeah, I hope he's not scrutinizing me too much because we don't want to know each other after the flesh, <coughs> but after the spirit. But this is what this is about. I've said it before, and I want to keep saying it. Apostolic has meant prophetic. I don't claim to be prophetic, even though I could prophesy from time to time. I'm not, I'm, I'm not prophetic. Somebody said, well, you sound like you might be a little pathetic, but be that as it may. <laughs> but I can tell you this, I'm apostolic with the message, and I'm prophetic in the voice for the message, because I've come to the place in my life and my age where I don't really care what anybody thinks. <clears throat> about what I say. And you know, that's not a bad place to be because you're not easily offended when you don't care. I still care a good bit about what people who are closest to me say because they can hurt me the most. <clears throat> but I believe what I'm saying to you is the truth. The glorious church will not appear and cannot arise until we are committed by conversion to this process. Uh, if you get nothing else, I want you to get that. We can boast all we want to about our little house. If it, even if your little house has a thousand people in it, it's still a little house compared to approximately a million people in the greater Charleston area. All the houses could be filled today. You understand that? We probably still would only have about 5% of the population. Listen, let me tell you what I'm what, what just casting this out there. This is talking about vision. I can see the day come when we begin to meet that we don't have room enough to meet anymore. We've got to go to the field and set up speakers and a platform and meet so we can have thousands come. And the whole purpose of meeting will just be to pray. I want to talk about that. I don't think I'm going to have time. But to just pray and supplicate before the Lord. Because I am convinced that if we begin to pray and supplicate before the Lord together that God's going to suddenly come and a rushing mighty wind and He's going to do what He hasn't done before. He's done it in days gone by. He'll do it again. And I believe that that's going to have to happen before the consummation of the church age. I believe it's going to happen. Are we going to get on board with it, you see? The glorious church, this hope of, uh, of the glory of God. John chapter 11, verse 40, in the context of the resurrection 
Jesus said to Martha and to Mary, He said, If you will believe, you'll see the glory of God. Actually, He said to them, Didn't I tell you, if you will believe, you will see the glory of God. What I'm talking to you about this morning, if you'll believe it and let the Lord minister it to you and embrace it, and and you may even have to say like the man who said, I believe, help my unbelief. The Lord will begin to teach you and open your eyes to see wonderful things that you know not of. The Lord said to me years ago, and I believe he's been true to this, he said, I'm going to give you some great revelation, but you better be careful what you do with it. And to this date, it seems like I hadn't done very much with it. But that's because I'm, I'm, I think I might be ashamed-based because I believe perfectionism is what I've been looking for. And I ought to just write it down even though it's imperfect as it may be. But there's so much to this thing. And I, we, I, in talking to you even these last two times, that we haven't begun to even scratch the surface of our conversion. So I understand if you wrestle with it, you have a tough time with it because I've wrestled with I remember standing in that foyer a good many years ago and I said, my God, if this is not true, deliver me. Deliver me from this thing because I'm carrying it in my heart so heavy, it's tough. Am I in delusion? Am I in deception? Or is it the truth? And every time I've asked that question, I've come back to the Scriptures to rediscover again that it's the truth. It's the truth. Isaiah 60, one of our young ladies the other day read this. Arise, shine. It didn't say arise and get shining. It said arise, shine. For the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. The glory of God has come, and the glory of God is upon you and in you, and the glory of God is ready to be revealed through you if you'll pay the price, pray the price, walk together, submit to one another in the fear of the Lord, love your brother and sister more than you love your own opinion. When you miss it, confess it. It's what we're learning in the class. We've all got clay feet. None of us have arrived. Thank God there's a lot of us are on the way. The Apostle Paul said, not as though I had already attained. And that scripture in Philippians chapter 3. He said, not as though I had already attained or already perfect or fully matured. But I'm pressing toward it. And nothing's going to keep me back. I'm, sub- I'm subjecting my body into a rigorous regime. Regime. Regimen. Regimen. I want to say regime. That's like Hitler, I reckon. <laughs> but I bring my body into subjection lest after I preach to others. I myself should be disqualified. I like disqualified better than cast away. Seems like cast away you can't get back. Disqualified you can re-up. Yeah. We're just guilty of it. We're not shamed. So the Apostle Paul, I loved what he said. He said, not as though. I mean, if the Apostle Paul hadn't attained, where, where are we in the process? You know, the Bible says, lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily besets you and run with patience the race that is set before you. I'm thinking, not only are we not really able to run the race, but we're not even in the race. <laughs> but it's easy to sign up for it. Aren't you glad for that? Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Then further he said, The Lord will arise over you, and His glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles, the unbelievers, the heathen, shall come, not because you dragged them there, but they'll come because they're looking for the glory. They're looking for reality. They're looking for what God is and who God is. That's what they're looking for. We can point our fingers and shake our bony fingers in their faces all day long, but they're looking for us. 
All of creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, the manifestation of sons, plural, of God. The world's waiting. The world's looking for that. They're looking for the genuine. I think, Jamie, I heard him say the other night, looking for the authentic. Don't give me church business. Give me authentic. Tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what you're feeling. Don't put on a show. We Pentecostals are good at that. We got all the language, don't we? Glory to God, brother. How you doing? Well, wonderful in Jesus. Praise God. Anything bothering you these days? No, not my faith. I can tell you I'm overcoming. I'm an overcomer. Yes, amen, amen, amen. You'll never have a genuine conversation. You almost, you know, in, in, in the Lord, you almost want to slap them twice and say, now let's really talk about life. <laughs> yeah. I know I'm not trying to be ugly, but I mean, really, let's just get down to business. You hurt, you got pain, let's talk about it. You're rejoicing, you have, have a wonderful experience going on, we can talk about that too. But amen. Kings to the brightness of your rising. We must rise and shine because the Lord has called us to rise and shine. Amen? Now, let me conclude with this because this is my Thanksgiving message right here. And I want to make this real clear. I haven't made it clear. But when we gather together as the Lord would help us gather together I've concluded this about our gatherings. We just need to pray and praise. That's it. We just need to pray and praise. Now, if, the, if there's a lot of grace that's been going on among us, we can probably prophesy. But if just pray and praise, what can God do with that? Here's what I found from, as I was looking at this. In Ephesians chapter 6, look at that one more time here. I wanted to talk about this, but I didn't, I didn't, I knew we wouldn't have time. Verse 16 says, above all, taking the shield of faith. Remember, you put it in the margin of your Bible, that's the shield of the faith. So he's really talking, even though you can make a personal application for your own faith, personal faith, it really is speaking more of corporate body faith, the faith. Because remember he said earlier in chapter 4, till we all come to the unity of the faith. He said earlier in chapter 4, he said, endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit. Don't endeavor to get it because you already got it. Just endeavor to keep it. Don't let anything grieve the Holy Spirit, quench the Holy Spirit. And dismiss the teacher of truth from our midst. How many of you know he's the teacher? And if you grieve him and quench him, he ain't going to teach. He's going to sit down and be quiet and not say anything until we get right. That's true, isn't it? And where do we think the Lord's going to come? The Lord's going to come from his leading us into truth. That's where the glory is going to be manifested because the glory is already present. We just got to be led into the truth to know that and believe that. But he goes on to say here that the shield of faith, it'll quench every fiery dart, all the fiery darts. Somebody say all. All the fiery darts. There's not a thing that you're facing, Brad, that when we are together, you will not be able to overcome because the devil's come to accuse you point his finger at you, tell you this, tell you that, whatever, you know the story. At times like this, he only points out your, is able to point out failures that he can get us to agree with. You ever notice that? But the faith can quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. We gather, when the Apostle Paul was stoned, what city was that he was stoned in? I forget now. Question for the class. Don't, don't, don't be concerned about it. We're all ignorant, so we'll just be ignorant together. But he got stoned. And I'm not talking about drugs. He got stoned, left to die. And as a matter of fact, it was pretty clear that he was dead. But if you go read that account, it said the brethren gathered around him. 
And he got up from where he was and went back into the city that had stoned him. For heaven's sake, my land. Somebody give the man some wisdom. <laughs> Chapter, verse 17, he said, And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication. And that sort of caught my eye because I believe that's where we need to be as we gather together, with all prayer and supplication. Prayer is just simply to, to pray to God and to, to ask. But supplication means to, the word actually means a petition, request. And the, that, that word comes from a word that means this. Listen to this. Now I know this may not suit some of you, but listen to this. It's a word which means to beg as binding oneself to beg. And that comes from the word which simply means to receive and accept. So really what I believe he's saying is this. In your prayer and your supplication, as your petition, as you're asking, and as you're pleading, as it were, but remember this. God can't give you anything that he has not already given you. Got quiet there. Because with the first time I ever said that, it made a lot of sense to me. If the Lord hasn't already accomplished it in Jesus before the foundation of the world, you can't get it. And so the supplication is not a begging to move his hand for something he doesn't want to do. It's for moving his hand for something he's already determined to do and has already done. And then Philippians chapter 4. Let's see what verse is it. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 6 says, Continue in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Why would you be thankful? Why would you do that? You, because you're thanking ahead of time. Thank you that you've heard me. Thank you that you've responded to me. Thank you that you're doing it. Somebody said, that's a little presumptuous. No, 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 that's according to the book. That's prayer and supplication. Can you imagine the people getting together in prayer and supplication before God and crying out to God, do what you said you'd do, do what you've already done. Let us see it, let us see it, O Lord. Come show your hand, be exalted, O God. What will happen if this church house begins to do that? What will happen when our intercessory prayer before the service becomes as important as the service? What will happen when that catches on and goes outside into other houses? I say houses, houses of worship. Priscilla and Aquila's house where the church met. It will catch on like a fire. And really, I, I can just say this from my own personal opinion, Pastor Kevin, that your prophetic voice keeps me on fire. Well, that's not... Well, wonderful. Well, tell me what you got because I need to hear it. That's the wonderful thing about Revelation. You can get a revelation that I haven't even heard. And I may be even saying it, but I haven't heard it. But that's the prophetic voice, the voice that brings the fire. The apostolic voice brings the plan, the word that needs to be heard. But without the fire, it can't be heard. That's why they have to have the... Well, Jesus had the John the Baptist preceding him. I'm not comparing myself to Jesus in that regard, but you understand Jesus was the whole fivefold ministry in one. But even Jesus submitted himself to the prophetic ministry of John the Baptist. You remember that? Even though we would call it priestly, it was still prophetic. Submitting one to another in the fear of the Lord, see? This is no one-man show. This is sons of God manifested, not a son. There are no chief apostles and chief prophets in this city. Give me a break. I've had people trying to promote me to those positions. They didn't realize what kind of burden they were trying to put on me. People accused me of being in control. You are in control. You just love to be in control. And I said to them finally one, one day when I got bold enough to say it, I said, if you knew, if you really knew how much I didn't want to be in charge, it would scare you. And that's the whole thing. The, the, John the Baptist, talking about John the Baptist in John, John chapter 3, remember the concluding of that chapter, he said, if you didn't get it from heaven, come to nothing. 
But if you got it from heaven, nobody can get in your way. When I was traveling with the Oakland Quartet, I've never told you this, but I was the tenor, and I was the preacher for the tenor. Boy, those were some green gore days. I mean, I was green as a gourd. But I was preaching. I used to sign my autograph. They'd ask me for my autograph. You believe that? They'd ask me, ask me for my autograph. Yes, my child, please give me the record. I'll sign the cover for you. You know what I signed that record with? This is a joke. John 3.30. It's 30 or 31. I forget now. It's 30 or 31. It said, John the Baptist said, He must increase, but I must decrease. Well, at least I had the right spirit. I hadn't quite, quite got converted, but I was trying to <laughs> being converted. And that was over 42 years ago. Should I ask if anybody has a question? It's not too big a class. Are you getting any understanding of what's being said? Now listen, the next time I talk to you, I'll probably repeat some of the same things I've said. And I want you to know something, that that's not feeble-mindedness. That's because I want you to hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it until you can regurgitate it. And you might even have to say, I can regurgitate it, but I don't know what in the world it means. <laughs> but God is helping me to see. God is helping me to hear. So I believe some great things are ahead of us. I believe some great things are ahead of, for, of Legacy Church. Some things, great things are ahead for Charleston. I, I wanted to tell you some things this morning. I wanted to give a testimonial, but I felt like the way we went was better. I still want to tell you a, a testimony that sounds like it came out of the book of Acts that will affirm and confirm the things I'm talking to you about. Dreams, visions relationships orchestrated by God. The outpouring that we had in this very room in 1995 it was a result of us brethren coming together two years prior to that. I'm giving testimony now. We were sitting in that, in that room back on this left side, your right, five of us preachers, when the Holy Spirit began to be poured out right at this altar, like the book of Acts. And I'm, I'll say this with all the confidence in the world, that God was responding to those five preachers. God used a, a vessel that has fallen away, but that didn't make any difference. He still used him for those five preachers because we had committed two years earlier to one another and we washed each other's feet and said we want to walk together and learn what it means to live in covenant together. I believe that's the reason for that outpouring that morning. And I believe that that can happen compounded many times over again when we're willing to pay the price. We see what God wants to show us and submit to it as a body here, as the body of Christ in the city. Let me say to you again, the city is not defined by the city limits. The city is defined by God because it's in the spirit. There's some practical things we could add to that, but I believe that that is the case. Jesus, can I, can I take just a moment to my second closing? The confusion started in a city, Babylon. And then the straightening out of the confusion happened in Jerusalem in a city. And in the consummation of the age, when eternity is about to begin in the, the reign of Christ, we will see a city set up where the glory of God will be manifested forever. That's why I go, go on record as saying the church, the authority of the church, the jurisdiction, the government of the church, can reach no further than the city. We can bless each other, we can help each other, we can hear each other, but in terms of governing, we have our government right here in the city. The Bible says, know those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord. Get to know who they are. You may not realize it, but they may be sent to you 
and you didn't know that they were sent. Everybody stand up. You may not, not understand or know that God has anointed them. You see, anymore, I'm looking for the anointing that's on the lives. That's what I'm looking for. But here's the second thing, Charles, I'm looking for. I'm not even going to be impressed by your anointing. I'm not talking to you personally, but I'm talking, make it personal. I'm not impressed by what you do under the anointing. I'm impressed by who you are as a person. How do you treat your wife? How do you treat your children? How do you pay your bills? What do you think about loyalty? What do you think about commitment? What do you think about covenant? See, that's what I'm concerned about ultimately. But I can't get to know all of that until I actually receive you and your anointing. Then I get to know that. Amen? So praise God. Nobody was clamoring to ask me any questions, but, but that's all right. Sometimes my wife looks at me that way. I say, Is there, are there any questions? <laughs> no, no, you pretty much said it. Ah, Jesus. Let's everybody just pray for just a second. Lord, it's been good to be here today. It's been good to, to listen to what you're see, saying to us today. May this day be, become the day that we are converted to the process. We want to see the glory of God. We want to believe to see the glory of God. We want to be the people that will rise and shine because our light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. We want to be the people where people will run us down to, to come to join us rather than us having to beg and plead. They'll come because they're looking for us. And so we thank you that today in this place the, the, these are people who can say, by the faith of God. We are witnesses together. We are witnesses together. The Holy Spirit has come, clothed us. We are witnesses together. And there is where our power is, our witnesses together. We are the body of Christ. We're not divided. Neither will we be permit any division among us. We are peacemakers. We pursue holiness and peace with all men without which no man shall see the Lord. That's our position. And by your grace, through faith, we will attain to that place. And we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to me today. Fantastic. Amen. Amen. Every time Pastor Fred, Bishop Fred speaks, man, it's like my revelation meter tilts. And I'm writing things down that you didn't say exactly, but I heard the Lord say, and now I got I to gotta chew and weigh. And I think the first of the year is going to be an amazing thing here. It's not that December won't be amazing or the rest of this month, but there are just some things you remember when Pastor Miles, you, you, you always knew when Pastor Miles preached a good message when he'd want to stand up and re-preach it after you got done preaching it. That was like the highest form of, of compliment. I just wrote this one word and then, and then you will be released. God will either drive us together either by revelation or by pain. And I just think that the church has chosen to ignore certain revelation and we're going to opt for pain. And I don't want that. I don't know about you. I've experienced enough pain. I, I want to hear the word of the Lord and I want to respond to the word of the Lord. So God willing, legacy willing, his church in Charleston willing, let's respond by revelation. Thank you, Bishop Fred. I, I, think, I think your time has come. I do. I, I honestly do. I think your time has come. God's going to restore some things. I believe he's going to restore the table back. Now, I don't know what that looks like. I'm just saying it out loud. But I believe that restoration will come. Amen. And I wrote some other things down here that I'm going to chew on. If I say it too loudly, you'll hold me to it. So I'm going to chew on it.
Amen. Be blessed. May the blessing of the Lord rest upon your homes. May it be the greatest week this week as you give thanks to the Lord. You're released. God bless.